Welcome to the RVA Affiliate Collective Podcast, where we share stories around the business of fitness and other things going on in the local RVA fitness community. Be sure to check out our collective shop at rvaaffiliatecollective.org and give us a follow on Instagram at RVA Affiliate Collective. Enjoy the show. Happy Friday, Collective. I'm really excited about this episode with Vincent Vu, the founder of Kinnis. We learn about Vincent's journey to the U.S. from Vietnam and how an injury led to an idea for better footwear. From making samples in his garage to quitting his daytime job and traveling to China to work with manufacturers day and night to produce his product, Vincent's resiliency enabled him to keep pursuing his vision in spite of multiple failures and production issues along the way. Vincent was kind enough to give me a pair of the Nomad 804s, which is like the product he describes in the episode. And as a CrossFitter, I normally wear the Reebok Nano shoes, so I must say I was skeptical at first, but I decided to wear them in training, and this is my honest review. I'm really enjoying them. I have a wider foot and always struggle feeling comfortable in most shoes for long periods of time. And with the Nomad 804s, I feel my foot naturally spreading out like it's supposed to. I love being in socks. My wife teases me for wearing socks in bed, but hey, it's what I like. So the idea that I can wear a sock that has a sole-like grip bonded to the bottom in the gym is fantastic. I can tell you that my arch and ankles have started feeling better during training sessions. It takes a little getting used to, so bear in mind when you try them on. But I must say that I'm starting to get hooked and wearing them as often as possible in lieu of shoes. Vincent didn't ask me to give this review, but if I try a product and I like it, I want to tell others about it. So head over to the Kinnis store in Short Pump Town Center and try them out for yourself or during a free fitness class. You can also find them online at kinnis.com, which is spelled K-I-N-I-S.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Collective Podcast. I'm here with uh, the owner of Kinnis Barefoot himself. Um, for those who don't know, who are you and, and what do you do? Yes, uh I would say, I guess, good morning to everyone. Uh, my name is Vincent Vu. I am the founder of uh, Kinnis Barefoot. Um, I, uh, you know, I can talk a little bit about how I started this company. Um, that's how we. So, so the the idea for for Kinnis Barefoot or uh, is really start um, about over two years, three years ago. Um, at the time, I was having a lot of. Um, um, uh, foot relay injuries. Uh, I was walking uh, a lot, of, traveling a lot, and then um, uh, I was walking out at the local uh, facility here, and I started to get into running. I used to lift weight, but I said, you know what, I'm not going to have time to lift weight. Uh, and I started to do indoor running, and about, I would say, eight, ten weeks into running, and that's where I have a lot of problems uh, with my ankle and my knee. Um, you know, at first I said, okay, I need a new pair of running shoes. So I went out and purchased a brand new pair of Nike uh, Flyknit. And that, a week later, that didn't help. Uh, and then I tried the little Vibram five-finger, uh, the five-finger shoe. That didn't help neither. And I got to the point that I was, my knee at that point hurting so bad, I couldn't run anymore. So I was out for the entire week. At that time, I get, you know, frustrated, and, and I didn't want to go to see a podiatrist because, you know, because I, I, you know, I know if I'm going to podiatrist, I know exactly that what they will give me. So I start to do a lot of research, and I just, you know, here I am, just Google things away. And then I start to learn a little bit about, you know, foot strike, which I don't even know anything about, gait, uh, landing, 
And I started to, I realized one thing, I'm, I'm a hill striker. And so that's really the problem number one I identify. And then when I came across that book, Born to Run, uh, from Chris McDougall, talked about this group of people in a remote region of Mexico where they can run for 50, 100 miles a day with nothing on except a very thin sandal. That really um, get me excited. And I say, my God, these guys are superhuman. But then I look a little bit deeper and then that, that kind of brought back my memories because, uh, you know, my family from Vietnam, you know, after the war, 1975, um, uh, my grandfather fought along with the um, American uh, army. And after 75, there's a lot of, you know, issue, you know, it was a difficult time for, for my family. So 1990, between 1975 and up to 1990, a lot of people escaped. Uh, uh, the country trying to find um, a, you know, a better place, freedom somewhere else. Um, I remember 1990, uh, I was seven years old at the time. I went in class one day and my mom uh, just show up in the middle of nowhere, pulled me out of class and I have no idea where she's taking us. So my, so my mom, I was seven, my brother was three and a half at the time. My mom probably in her mid 20. Um, so we end up went to a, a city, which is um, about two hours south of my city. Uh, my city is, is in about near Saigon, which is now the, the new city called Ho Chi Minh City. But we, we left there and we arrived at a, um, at a little uh, a market, um, a floating market, and we were boarding this canoe. There's um, uh, three of us and, and of course another person and there were, I remember we carried some water. And at that point, I still have no idea where we are going because she's, she hasn't towed yet. And then from that canoe, we end up travel, I don't know, maybe a, a couple of miles. Uh, and then there's, we, we got to, there's a boat, a bigger boat waiting for us out there. And then we, they asked us to, to board a boat. At that point, my mom had talked to us and I realized we are leaving the country. I have no idea. So this is... A, a traditional fishing fishing boat, and typically these boats are not built to carry people. Uh, maybe that you maybe if you can fit 15 people, and then the space for they store the fish. But um, there's so many people on the boat at that point, and then as night uh, the night fall, and we, we start to uh, the boats start get going, and the little canoe went back. And that and that time we spend. I don't know how many days um, heading south. So we are uh, imagined at the map. So we had South Vietnam and now we're heading south. So that where you're heading down to um, Malaysia, Indonesia, and then further south. That point we are really, we are part of um, the, the, what we call the group, the boat people. There are about 800,000. Uh, um, the last number I look at that escaping Vietnam at the time. So spend many days on the ocean and then uh, during the day, we were told to stay down at the bunk. So it doesn't make obvious because they catch you. If they catch you, um, you know, they put you in jail. And, and we left. And I remember a lot of the people are city people. Um, and most of them have never been on the boat before. And now being at sea, people are throwing up everywhere. Um, we out the bunk and at night, we'll go up on, uh, on the deck and get some air. Uh, we travel and then when we... I don't know how far, because I don't remember. But at the time, there, there are many, many boats. And my mom, my mom told me in, in her neighborhood that um, one of the family uh, who bought a boat, like 200 people, just sang, and all of them 
die. Well, pretty scary. But when, and then we were traveling and we ran into a, a cargo ship. I remember vividly um, that a container cargo ship from Holland, they rescued us and then brought on board. And then I remember they gave us food and they treated very well and very, very nice people. Um, but everyone, at, um, we want them to take us back to Holland. Because at that point, we just want somebody to help us. Uh, but they couldn't. It's in their, you know, commercial ship. They can't just take people back to their right. home country. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, they told, and then they they end up uh, getting us um, to, so they, they took everyone and they, they took all the oil out of the boat and they rammed the boat so they can go ahead and sink the boat. Um, not sure what the logic behind it. I guess maybe they didn't want the boat just floating in the ocean with a bunch of oil in there. And then we arrived at a first refugee camp, which he, throughout that time, there are many refugee camps set out, uh, set out throughout Southeast Asia to accept these people because there's a lot of people fleeing, fleeing the country. We arrived at a refugee camp in Malaysia. At one, I remember we were on the bus, they took up the bus and these, these guy, police, policemen with um, just um, assault rifle and we were in the middle of the night and we were going through this wooded uh, row and everybody's so afraid because they're afraid, oh my God, they will take in the wood and they probably shoot everybody. And people were so scared. Um, but um, that, didn't, that wasn't the case. They end up, um, because of what, night? And then um, they end up, um, uh, they took us to a camp, uh, a refugee camp. And it, because the camp overcrowded already, they couldn't take up anymore. So they, they fed us. Uh, and then the next day, we, were, we bore another boat. And then we, we were told that keep going down further south. There's more camp that's set up. And then we are here. We are going again. And then we end up landed on a, an island called Galang. It belonged to Indonesia. That's where we, st we end up. And that's where I spent six years. And now looking back, okay, to my, my foot-related injuries, why is, 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 is remind me of that? Because during that six year, you know, we, we pretty much walk everywhere. And I remember those are the days that, um, I, you know, we didn't have much. I played soccer barefoot. And these are the days that the time that I want to be able to get back to do that. Um, so, you know, that's all we do. We play soccer barefoot. We walk everywhere barefoot and the feet lots healthier. Um, so here I am back to where my foot relay injury. So after all the research and of course my, uh, my childhood and, and then, and then I continue to do more research and I learned about the, the foot anatomy. Uh, I ended up taking a class called barefoot training class at the, some folks, some of the trainer at the ACAC that I work with because they know that I've been trying to practice this whole barefoot thing. So they have a seminar and this, there's a, a a doctor uh, from New York, they host in this class, and I'm taking class, I want to learn more about it. So after, after I finished all my research, and then I, I, I went back for a look at the, 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 the evolution of who, as, at us as a species, what I learned that, well, our ancestors didn't have shoes. You know, they travel 100 miles. There's, they are no different than the folk in, in Mexico. They didn't have shoes. So they were able to do this. But why are we having so more and more, um, some sort of foot injury in America? And, and every year there's over 300 million pairs of shoes sold in the U.S. But why are we not getting better? We're getting weaker. So after all that research, I decided, okay, I'm going to figure out, look at all the products offered on the market. Nothing worked. So I wanted to be to get back to the basics. So I decided 
to do something about it. During that time, I was enrolling in on a MBA program at Will and Mary. And one of my first class uh, called Design Thinking. So it helped people to think how to solve a problem. And one part of this um, was um, it would teach you how to make low, uh, what called low resolu resolution prototype. And that's where I decided, okay, I'm gonna take off my shoe, I'm gonna train barefoot again. That doesn't mean I'm gonna go outside running barefoot. That, that's not the case, <laughs> no? I'm not trying to do that. But I'm trying to get out of the shoe because I think with all the research I look at, um, all the evidence suggests that the shoe is really causing my problem. And I'm, I'm one determined to fix it the natural way. Um, so I start to, at uh, that point, I, um, what I do, I end up taking my shoe, I start, I walk with my socks, and I feel, oh my God, so connected to mind-body connection. I was able to very consciously know when my landing, engaging um, the entire um, feet. Um, so, and then what I did was, I said, okay, let, let's start to make some prototypes. So I end up, um, spent, uh, I went to Michael, art and craft store, that's where I buy this little foam pad. You can buy these foam pads that they make, the kid make, uh, you know, craft projects. And what I did was I buy that and buy Velcro. And what I do, I cut the little piece for the, 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 the ball of the foot and another piece for the heel. So basically I had to Velcro to my socks and walk around that. Um, and I walk around and, and, and again, people ACACE um, go back three years ago, they will say, yeah, that, that's the guy, that's the barefoot guy. Um, that's how I start and I realize this is, this is where we need to start. And then uh, originally, you know, the, the idea was maybe if people are wearing shoes for all these years, they need what we call a transition period. So I start, I say, okay, what happened if we make something uh, start out with a thicker foam and then people can, um, is, and then as they, they transition slowly, they can go to th something medium size and more, something thinner, and then eventually they don't need the foam anymore. So at that point, I'm, I'm making prototype. I cut out the foam, um, would have adhesive back, I would hand out to people at ACAC. People would look at me, this dude is crazy. You're I'm just not gonna wear giving, it. giving away arts yeah. and crafts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember I'll meet people, I'll say, try it, try it. Um, you know, people are very nice. And sure. people, people are not gonna say no in there, but <laughs> I don't yeah. know, they, they wanna do that. But um, but that's why I, that's how I start. That's I mean that's why where ACAC is the uh, the birthplace for Kenneth. Um and then after all that process, and then I was like, okay, well this is this is how we're going to start this because I'm determined to make this. So um, going back to this, continue try try thing, and I said, okay, we're going somewhere with this. Uh, and my background uh, in is in designing and manufacturing. So then I said, okay, let's start making socks. So that I was working full-time at that time. Going to school, working full-time, and try to start a company. Uh, it was a little hectic. It was, you know, I yeah. spent a lot of time, but I think because I believe in it, that because when I believe in something, I know that it wasn't, at the beginning, it wasn't a business. At the beginning, it was just, I'm trying to fix my own problem. And then when I realized that, you know, there's an opportunity that we can bring a product to the market that uh, help people that, have problems just like me, that we want to tell a different story. We, we want to, to help people fix, you know, not only their feet, but the, the body, the movement, the natural way. And then that's what, and then with that being said, I start to call around people to, to get people to make the sock for me. And I would spend months and months calling people. After I'll call people um, 
and then you know calling folks in in North Carolina. So North Carolina and South Carolina, the textile industry. So I after three months literally calling nonstop. One day I got a phone call from a guy named Brian Mayo. Uh, Brian, his family owned a, a a knitting company in about two hours south of Richmond in a small town called Toboro. Um, and then I told him what I tried to accomplish. At that point, I made uh, what I did. What well, this is what I do? I buy a little foot. Uh, I get a normal socks, and then I get the. And what I do is, I'll go buy these. I will go between Michael and Home Depot to buy a different paint to uh, paint yeah, the sock yeah. to make a prototype. Okay, so I have a foam pad. I have paint that I paint, have glue from stuff from Michael from Home Depot. And 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 here I am, I have what I call a, a first generation. Unfortunately, I don't have that anymore. Uh, the prototype for the product. And I'll I'll call him and I'm super excited. I'm t- I tried I over the phone, I explained to him what I try to do. He said, All right, why don't you come on come on down? We'll talk. And I, I drove there and I met with him and he said, All right, I'm not gonna be do this whole foam thing for you, but it'll cost you five hundred bucks to make a custom socks. At that point, I have no idea. I don't know anything about uh, sock making, the material. I don't, and I'm just a normal person. I go out buy a sock, and that's it, not knowing anything <laughs> right. about it. So at that point, I have to learn. Um, I have to learn everything about sock making. So I, again, what do you do? You YouTube. <laughs> that's how you do. Yeah. So I start YouTube, do research, and just learn, learn, learn the technical term, different yarn material, different strength, and so forth and so on. And design the sock myself because I, you know, I have a master's degree in architecture, so I, I design. So and I start designing the sock and getting to make it back and forth, working with him. And then finally, we have a a a, a Kinnis prototype sock. And then we say, okay, we have the sock now. What are we doing with the rubber at the bottom? And here we go again. And then I say, oh my God, what are we doing with rubber? So I start to do research. Then I came across a um a machine. Uh, this company in Allen, uh, California, make the machine that they used to make seal screen screening for shirt. And I said, hmm, maybe we can get them custom the machine so I can print the dot this th- at the bottom of the socks. So I called them and I tried to convince them what I'm trying to do. They, 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 they were like, are you crazy? We not that's not this machine for. <laughs> this is to print like logo on shirt, on hat, and stuff like that. It's not designed to do this. You're what? trying to print the thick yes, padding. The padding. Yeah. And they say, no way, no freaking way. <laughs> And 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 then I convinced them, and I decided. And after that, I say, okay, the only way for me to make this work, I need to go there. And so I I visit the facility in California. I went there. I talked to them. They say, okay, we'll do it, but it costs X Y Z money. And at that time, that will, yeah, that will be the beginning of 2017. And later on, you know, I will let go from my job at that point. And that the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to invest, I'm going to do this because, you know, I believe in this. So I literally, I, I, I lost my job. I said, all right, I'm going to get all my money on my 401k and do it. I'm wow. going to do it. So that's what I did. I went out. Uh, I spent $20,000 after convinced them, multiple trip to California, convinced them about how to make this. So we have to make this custom plating. So we have to custom a lot in order to make this work. So we have to custom the plate. We have to custom the screening. And that point, again, I don't know anything about screening, but all I know that I can make this work. So I have to learn everything about it. Wow. I go on YouTube, calling people, learn about it, learn a different ink, different type ink, different heat and everything. So finally, boom, spent 20K, bought the machine. At this time, uh, not having a job, spent all my money, got a machine, loaded, put in my garage. 
And, and that machine set in my garage and can, okay, I have a socks, I have a super screen, let's make this. So I would spend, so that was a long, a, a learning, a long learning pr process for me. Well, probably looking back, probably the most difficult time for me. It's now still, but that was the worst part. Right, because you're at that, I guess you're at that, that point of, I've got to make this work now. Yeah. It's no longer I'm doing this full-time gig and I can play on the side. It's yeah. now I've put both feet in. Yes. And, um, no pun intended with the feet, but yeah. now you got to make, make these uh, prototypes work somehow, yes. you know? Exactly. So, so I am, you know, every day. So I'm commit. I'm, I'm working, working at that point, trying to raise money for, for the company and all that stuff. It was very difficult. At the beginning, nobody invests money in the company, just an idea. And by the way, th your idea is just out there somewhere. Yeah. You know, you, nobody wearing this stuff. Why, why, why? Give me a reason why I wear this. People, <laughs> so it's very difficult. So, so here I am, have the machine in my garage, uh, spend countless mile hours. So a couple of things that, that's a challenging. So we have the socks, the machine work, but what happened, the ink, the ink they used, and I didn't know anything about this until say, the ink they use is on the shirt, it's fine, but you can't wear it in the workout environment. As soon as you that, and it just rubbed right off, off. come yeah. off right away and say, oh my God. And then, but not only the ink, but the challenge point. So I learned that. So there's multiple process you have to go through. So the ink, you, you load the socks in there, the, the machine will apply the, the first base, which is the, the, the flat base, okay? And then it'll finish that, and then you have to dry before you apply the dot. But what happening, there's certain temperature the ink need to reach before it, it, it it cure properly. Mm -hmm. And then and then there's certain temperature the socks start to melt. So what I learned, <laughs> I would spend hours, I burned hundreds of socks. And just melting socks it's in melting your garage. Socks, garage. <laughs> yeah. What, did, what did that smell like? Uh, it's very toxic. You don't want that. <laughs> so I have the fan putting that out. So so what happened is um, and then I would spend literally five hours to make one pair. And I burned. So what I learned that and I learned that okay the polyester, it will melt, which is the sock made of polyester. And then if it, if it, the temperature too low, it turns out the heat, then the, the ink won't dry. And you, I really have a, a very narrow window, five to 10 degree. And then to make it work and literally spend five hours after burn how many hundred of socks, make one pair. And that one pair, I would take that one pair, go to ACAC, which he, I live not far from ACAC, run it up there and then give to the train to try, boom. This ink, the ink is not not uh, strong enough. It's not designed for that. You need right. rubber. Um, so then I have to go home and start to get online again, Google, look, learn about the ink, and then and finally found a company in Chicago. That's what they do, and start get to their the lab and talk to the technical guy and talk a different thing. They start to make formula, uh, mix different thing, and then send us test again, not working back and forth, back and forth. Literally two months or so doing that. And I got to the point that I learned that, and then I was like, okay, what happened if we buy something that we at, at a, some sort of a, um, a, a gel that you can put on the edge of the, the sock so it, it keep, it's, it's acting with a heat barrier. So mainly it burn on the edges only. And I did that. So, and I hear him and they use that for welding. Yeah. What happened when the guy welding that, that temperature can get up to thousand degrees. So they have to put the gel to protect them. And it's like, okay, I tried that. And I went in and purchased that and then tried that. But what happened, I mean, it dry up top, but the edge is now being cool. So it won't dry on the edges. 
I said, oh my. <laughs> All right. So really, I will spend, to make a long story short, at that point, after I have the, the product in my garage, making prototype and fail multiple times. At that point on the news, there was, um, it's funny, I, I mentioned this, but um, Tesla will go into what called production hell with the, the Model 3. And, and, and to put that in perspective, you know, you look at a guy like Elon Musk. He's, you know, he's, he's trying to do many things to make the change in the, what, what the, the, the Tesla tr trying to, to get us to the, the clean energy. Electro uh, but the Model 3 was a production hell. And I say, you know, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. This is nothing. This, what go. I'm encountering is exactly what Elon, he was sleeping in the factory. There's a, there's a nightmare that was set in the shop outside trying to keep production. Is They were going through the same production now. And I look at my machine, look at my socks and say, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. We know. We just got to figure out how to make it work. So finally, I decided that in order to make this work, I need to go overseas. Because that was my background because I, I deal with a lot of factory um, in China. In my from uh, from my previous um, uh, employment, and and then I decided to put the machine on sale. So I I spent twenty k and sold it back for uh, eight thousand dollars. Oh wow! Huge loss, but it's necessary because it's not working anymore. Yeah. So I took that and then um, at that point I took some uh, a little investment money from an angel investor, and now and then we uh, we went to China. I went to China and not noting anything about. <laughs> because in my previous uh, previous um, uh, you know uh, life, um, we we make we make furniture. We don't make any kind of suit and sock. I, so I don't know any factory there. So I started to get online and go to um, and start to making connection online, and then that's how I I go to China. So I went to China by myself. Um, I'm Vietnamese. I don't speak any Chinese. <laughs> right. So, so when I went there, they just start speaking Chinese with me and say, I wish I would speak Chinese and make my life a lot easier. I'm as clueless as anybody else. So I went there and then um, starting to, uh, you know, if, in China, you know, it's very difficult to, to work with factory. But in my case, I was fortunate to found a good group of folks that are willing to help me. Um, because typically when you do a factory, you, you talk about $10,000, $50,000 per order. They don't have time to deal with a little guy and trying to make a sample. And, and everything we're trying to do is a lot difficult than what they used to. They used to be, okay, I'm making either shoe or sock. You're making something in between. Yep. Um, at that point, so before my trip to China, what I learned that, okay, the material to make the sock, in order to make this product work, I need a strong material. So then I started to do research, and I came across a product from Honeywell. Honeywell would make these products, which he uh, called Spectra. So Spectra is a material that, um, just to put in perspective, is stronger than Kevlar. They use this material to make bullet vests for, for the cop. So mainly used in the, you know, this develop, this product, they developed this product um, a while back, but mainly used in, in heavy industrial and, and military. But now they're trying to take the product to to uh, get into the um, the apparel, the textile industry. And I contact them and uh, I end up met, hook, uh, met, uh, went to meet, uh, I met the, uh, um, the person who overseeing that um, at the Honeywell location. And I talked to them and they, they said, okay, I want to, this, I, I brought the prototype and this is what I wanted to try to do. And they said, well, we'll never make socks out of this thing before. So then I said, okay, then I send me some sample and they take those sample out feed to the factory in China that I, 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 um, uh, I connect. And then we start making sample prototype. 
and then what we learned is we couldn't use their product the way they give it to us. So we have to take their product, engineer a few more steps. So I went to China, I went to Shanghai, I met with the Honeywell, Honeywell complexes, maybe about 3,000 employees, huge complex. I met with the engineer there and worked with the engineer at Honeywell. And then I'll take the engineer, go to the sock factory, work with sock factory. Uh, at the beginning, the sock factory refused to work because first of all, um, they only familiar with typical sock material. And this is something very strong because it caused a lot of problems with their machine. Right, and it's so strong. It's and and we saw after I convinced them, work with the factory, and then work with another factory who take that that take uh, the the Honeywell spectrum material because then we have to process a few more steps before we even make into socks. So coordinate all of that, and so I was working in China, and then and then I have to find another factory who make the rubber, and then explain to them again. And then find another factory who make the packaging, the logo, um, and up there's six factories because in China it's not one factory make everything. There's each owner component and then one factory where they take everything, travel between Shanghai all the way down to Hong Kong, uh, different city. Um, uh, got lost a few times. <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting a, uh, on the train station just go back and forth, uh, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And, and I, I got to a point that I said, oh my God, I literally stopped every single young person that do you speak English, do you speak English, do you speak English, speak English. Um, uh, it was, it was uh, but finally, you know, I found some folk that helped me uh, and then arrive at factories. Um, Get mugged by the taxi driver who tried to destroy, try to get. <laughs> try really? To, yeah, because they know that I don't speak English, Man. and and you know they will charge me a lot more money, and I'm trying to argue with him and back and forth. Uh, but that was the first trip, ultimately, and I ended up making uh, 2018. I ended up uh, making three trips to China. Uh, multiple time visit factory and then coming back you know at night here I'm working because at 12 hour difference so I'm always working at night because I have to answer factory question all that stuff um, and then one I remember one night is like one o'clock in the morning I got a call from sock factory and said we stopped production this is the first time we're, the first uh, um, 500 pair we're trying to make and they, they say we stopped production your product and they say why I thought we figured everything out already I say no you, your, your material is so strong. It broke our needles in our machine. <laughs> I said, oh my God, you kidding me? Wow. So yeah, and then I said, I convinced them again. Um, convince, convince, please, we need, we need your help. You have to make this work. And then, and then they had to reach out to another factory and say, in order to make work, we have to make custom made these needles. So here we are, we have to spend extra money because the needle have to make out this, um, a lot stronger material in order to handle material because it's keep on breaking. Um, so that's, we, we went through that process again. That's like weeks because you got to coordinate back and forth, back and forth. And finally, we fixed that problem. And then they make the products and then we, we, we then, then that factory finished and sent to the rubber factory. And then uh, the rubber, the different harness, is it too hard, too soft? And how do we glue the rubber to the, uh, uh, to the socks? And then test, do a lot of abrasion testing, abrasion testing uh, at the factory. And then I went over there and then figured, okay, if we wash this thing, how do are we testing that? So we have to set up the whole uh, quality thing and with the oh my goodness. control of the abrasion. Yeah. So, you know, at one point, if we, if we designed the product to wash the machine, how many wash cycle, uh, when the, the rubber started coming off and all of these things. So we, 
a lot of testing again, back and forth, back and forth. It looks simple, but it's take a lot of work to put in to make it work. And then finally, we'll, we'll figure that out. And then, um, and then at the beginning, we will have some challenging because the rubber doesn't adhere to the sock properly. And then we have to figure out different adhesive we have to use and all that stuff. But finally, we got it work. And then fast forward, so it's been 2017, 2018, and we officially launched the product uh, last November. Wow. From custom material for the socks, custom needles for the machines to make, make the socks, custom rubber, probably custom adhesive or some special adhesive no yes. one's ever heard of. And then you get, I guess at some point you had 500 units and yes. you launched in November. And I mean, you did all this quality control and testing. And it's funny because when you hear this story, the last thing you think of is, are they even comfortable? Like you think, do, do they work? Do they hold up? You know, do they survive all this stuff? Yeah. It's like, well, are they comfortable? Do people want to wear them? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. And you know, during that time before we commit to 500 pair, we what we do, we do a 10 pair test, 50 pair test. These are the 10. They, these are the thing that is coming in, um, and we know that the thing that we need to tweak. These are the pair that I will give out to trainer. So different gym that I go to, give a trainer to get feedback from these guys. Um, at the beginning, it was it was difficult because you know. This, you don't see anybody wearing this stuff. The closest thing that people can 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 uh, relate to the five finger thing. Yeah, the, the but, five yeah, finger. The vibrant five finger. But this is a socks. What it is? You know why I'm wearing? Why? Why I'm supposed? Then I have to really explain the 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 sign behind it. Because while the factory working on the the products, the techo stuff. Here I am, continuing to learn, educate myself, the sign, understanding the foot anatomy, the biomechanic, understanding, you know, how the body is supposed to work. Because all these things, because these are the knowledge I need to understand, first for myself, my personal uh, use, because I, you know, I know that I fixed my problem, but I need to be, be able to speak intelligently when I talk to trainer to convince them why you're doing this. They, some of them already doing it. It just they don't think about it. Because when people squat, they take up their shoe. Yeah. But but then my question, why do we put the shoe back on again? You, I, I guess impact maybe. Yeah. yeah. So 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 the other thing that that and then we, we, we then we start look at the sign behind it. You know, you look at um, I talk about the book already. I talk about you know um, you look at the best trainer runner, those guy from Kenya. And by the way, those guys start running barefoot. And and not again. They are they are the reason they can do what they do because they used to buy the way they were designed. So all you know, all these knowledge I constantly learning. I watch YouTube video. I read book. I spend a lot of time talking to folks. Um, and and the good thing is during that uh, product development phase, I I came somebody recommended me a book called um, uh, Fifty Habits of uh, Barefoot. Um, which he, uh, I bought that book. It turned out that book was written by a professor at Liberty University. Oh yeah, yeah, just down the street. Yes, and then, and then, last time I was making prototype, I call him up. I, I say, Doctor, uh, Doctor Daniel Howell is that his name, and I say, you know, I read your book, and and this is what something I I, I really believe in what you 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 do you you say in your book, and because um, I was used to practice that. You know, uh, so I'm 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 developing this product. Love to come to talk to you, get your feedback, and then I went out and to uh, um, to Liberty University and talked to him. Um, and 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 really, he's they call him the barefoot professor. He's the only professor that in my entire adult life that walk around teaching class barefoot. 
because um, and then I talked to him, I get feedback from him, and again that feedback continue go fee- being put back to the product, continue refine, refine, um, and then fast forward we um, uh, we uh, at at this whole time, this whole time, uh, Kenneth is also part of this incubator called Startup Virginia. Yeah. Yep, so that's way part of that. So I, I'm, you know, during the day, I would meet with all my mentors, talk about the business strategy. Um, I was so f- un- very fortunate to, to work with some of the most um, talented and uh, very, very, very nice uh, folks who, who, who helped me, who believe in me. Um, and that's out of the Innovation Center. Innovation right? Center, that's yep. correct. Um, Earl Cox, he's, um, you know, I was, um, I remember that during that time, we were going to bra- uh, branding strategies. Um, very fortunate, I, I met him uh, through, uh, as a mentor through Startup Virginia. And then, um, you know, uh, I had a meeting with him his, in his office at, as a Martin agency. That was incredible because, you know, one of the best branding firm in the country and have a meeting there with him was, I blew my mind, I'm, I'm super excited. And then working with a uh, working with a few folks um, at the brand center, so that they will help. Uh, so these are these are um, uh, grad student, and they help uh, uh, Nick Tobat help uh, to uh, design our logo for us, the Kinnis logo. Uh, and then um, there's another girl, um, uh, Caitlin. I, I forgot her, her last name, but she helped with the brand book. And then we will have meeting between the brand center student. Uh, Cox and myself uh, to talk about strategies and 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 um, yeah, I, Kenneth would not be here today without those folks helping us along. Um, and then you have folks, um, uh, Sonia. We have Sonia, and then you have uh, Noel. You have um, uh, Richard at Star Virginia has been um, incredible in supporting and helping, and many other folks, uh, Eric Glimms, uh, many other folks at Star Virginia that, that just help. Uh, they are there to give him back. Uh, and, and, and so these are the things that I'll work with these during the day at night, and I'll go back, work with the factories, um, try to work on production, designing, and everything else. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's, it's a long journey. Um, and, and at the same time, talk about the fitness community. Um, and you know, I would take, I would meet up with different folk, different gym, give out sample, um, and and you know, Anna at Rio Fitness, one of them, um, that I, you know, she she believe in what we believe in, and and again, we we would not be here without uh, the help from these folks. So I'm super excited and and grateful for the support that that Kenneth had received uh, uh, so far. That's that's an incredible story from your trip out of Vietnam, barefoot, I assume, and then having injuries that led you back to being, trying to train barefoot, and then going through all this testing and and designing of a prototype to working with factories, to custom needles, to getting them in the hands of trainers or on the feet of trainers. Um, Now you have a a storefront here at Short Pump Town Center, which is incredible. Uh, very beautiful spot, and oh, I really enjoy thank, it. Thank you very much. Um, you're doing events typically on the weekends. You bring people in to, to use your product, and, and um, whether it's community classes and, and things like that. What would be, I guess, the next step from here? You know, you kind of have a good footprint going on yeah. and, and everything. So, so Kinnis, the, the idea, you know, I, I talk about Kinnis. Kinnis, the idea behind we are a fitness company, 
and two is where we start because that's where we identify the problem we want to fix. Um, the design of Kinder Store is a, uh, not just a typical huge or retail space. Um, imagine it's like a community fitness center. So every every we talk every Saturday and Sunday we have uh, classes here that are host by a local fitness uh, trainer instructor. Uh, it's free for the it's, we offer the it's free for the customer. It's also the uh, fitness or trainer is free to use our space. Um, so that we will create an environment where we can bring, um, where we create that connection between your trainer and your customer. Um, the customer can come to class, take the class for free. They can wear our product for free. And if they want, if they feel like that product that, that helped them move better, they can purchase a product. If not, there's no commitment. Uh, but we want to create an environment where we can bring the, the, the bonding, where we people can openly and freely uh, share knowledge about fitness and, and wellness. Um, where do we want to see kids from now? At the end of the day, we want to take this idea um, scale. I think I believe that um, it, it, when we create an environment where we can share the knowledge, it's, it's mutually benefit everyone um, because the market right now is fragmented. Uh, I think a lot of uh, folks like the big shoe brand company, um, they are in the, the business to sell in shoe, but we, where kids, we believe in the idea of giving education. You know, and that's something that Kenneth continue to do. Um, another thing that we start launching that uh, we are doing, um, that we are partnering up with a local chiropractor, Dr. Joe Abreski, will launch a series of uh, barefoot movement video where we really talk uh, uh, sign behind it because Dr. Um, Dr. Joe will bring some of his um, his knowledge from a chiropractor and bring to it because when we look at the, the human body, it's not just the feet, the entire body connected. And we want to continue to give more knowledge to folk. And all these, um, and we also do uh, barefoot uh, workshop here. It's free for customers. We encourage people to come um, because I believe in, 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 in continuing to give people to educate folks. Um, where, where do we want to go from here? So next year, we talk about uh, bringing technology into our products. So we, we're, looking to, we're hoping to launch uh, our smart footwear products next year uh, because, you know, Everybody have the Fitbit, the Apple Watch, but there's so much more about that feet that we don't know yet. And I think being in this, by us doing it for the last three years, we gain substantial amount of knowledge where we can combine our knowledge and the technology that we can offer more added value for our customer. So uh, with the smart footwear product, you can start to track your, your, your alignment, your, your ankle mobility, your landing, your weight distribution, um, uh, your pressure point, um, and these are the things that ultimately it, it allow us com customer or our user um, to make um, decision in terms of you know what they need to focus on for could be for either moving better or maybe just in injury prevention and that's what we want to focus on. Interesting. So I think about uh, at some running stores they have that machine you know you get on yeah. and it tells Gate you that analysis. kind of stuff. Yeah, or it tells you where your pressure points are. But you're talking about a concept of that being almost live or real time yes. as you walk. Yes. So so that's something you so imagine that that the sensor will be embedded in your uh, smart footwear that 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 will connect to our app and there will be a technology that you can you can track every single step that data being collected and feed direct to you and we you can see your performance and then there will be AI technology built in which you recommend certain exercises based on based on your the data which you're feeding. Wow. 
and then we'll focus on exercise. So there's another sign of kindness that, that we hope to expand next year, uh, the service side of the business. And that's something that we, we're excited about. Yeah, that is exciting. Uh, but, but because I think, you know, technology is what we need to do. And I think data be able to collect user input data because we can do it live for you. Right. And, and be able to feed that direct to you and then give you the right exercise you focus on. But Yeah. But just think about the, the numerous people with some sort of undiagnosed, whether it's... Um, a habit like mm -hmm. how they walk or how they step you know whether yeah. they turn in a little bit or turn out a little bit and um not being aware and you can bring that awareness to them without having to see a chiropractor without exactly. having to go and and um seek it you know it's it's kind of revealing something they didn't know existed that's correct i'm a big fan of the the whoop bands yeah so that's kind of the same idea where yes. it, it's it's showing you what your body's been trying to tell you but you haven't been able to understand it or, yeah. or listen to it. And yeah. so I love that idea in, in the foot, uh, having that kind of real-time feedback. Yes, yeah, we'll do that. And, and I think I think another thing that right now for us, our product, we design our product not just for the fitness market. Fitness market that that we believe that that's an early adopter. These are folks who believe in this. But I think the product have an opportunity for the mass. Everybody want to move better. It doesn't matter how old you are, how you, and it doesn't matter if you play sport or not. We all want to move properly move naturally, efficiently, and injury-free. And that's what we want to do. We hope that with, through our continued effort, work with athlete, work with doctor, we continue to bring that knowledge up to the surface and offer that as free service to our customer. Um, for me, um, it's, it's always important that we as a, as a company, as a brand, focus on what can we do to create added value to our customer. Because if we feel like if we can do this successfully, the product will sell itself. And of course, we will always focus on innovation. Um, we believe in, in, in less, give people less, and focus on how can I help the, the folks, our customer, um, to move better, how to understand their body. And I think the technology allows us to do that because you can see it, you can track it, and if you have questions, we want to create that. The, the retail store environment for us is, is, to us, is more like a community fitness center than anything. Or like a learning center. A learning center. Learning exactly. fitness, yeah. Exactly. And that's why you can see we have the, uh, uh, the, 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 the skeleton. Skeleton, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So we'll try to do all, all these training video. Um, but um, we're super excited. This is what, to me, that drives me every day. Um, because I think, you know, when the customer coming in, you know, somebody's hesitate to wear our product. And now, when after they wear our product and come back and bring their family coming back and say, you know, really, I feel that, 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 pressure my lower back, my knees is, is actually helping me naturally. And that's what drive me to continue to make sure that we take this knowledge and what we learn um, through, you know, and then share with our customer and continue to build this community effort here. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, I like the little turf. You get the turf set yeah. up as well. Class here, yeah. and it's free. It's always free and will always remain free. And, and it's free for our customer, free for our trainer. We have our trainer that actually trained a client in here. And I told I told the trainer that we were work, use this space. That's what this is for. That's awesome. Because, you know, if it's not trainers dead, need space sometimes. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, and one thing I learned that one thing what we learned in, in this this retail store only, only is only is only beside yes, it's allow you know us connect our customers is serve it a testing lab for us. 
the idea we wanted to, to try to implement. Because we don't want to be another shoe company. Because I think what happened in the market, um, I think that that we are people are uh, uh, looking for something that that really adds value. And I think we in the position to do that. We are the challenger brand because Nike, these guys will not do it. Yeah. So we will do it. Well, you're disrupting the yeah. industry. Yeah, and I think I think we look at we want to be an ecosystem, not just a not just a product. No, we we want a product and the fitness together, and that's what we want to do. And we create an environment where 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 we can connect people. That's that's incredible because it, it started as an idea and a passion, and you create this product, but I don't think you lost the the idea and the passion. Is it's not just the product and everything you're talking about as far as bringing in trainers and letting them use your space and um, giving back to the community in this way, it's still, it's more about the idea than it is the product, which is incredible. And I yeah. think that's what draws people to you. Yeah, you are 100% right. And, 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 and we are, I, I find it when I'm here, I, I, I always want people in here to do something. That's what gets me excited. I don't want products sitting here because if the product's in, it's dead. It's yeah. no different than anything. I want only people in here doing something. You know, could be we had yoga class here. We're hosting some of the um, the yoga for veteran coming up soon. Uh, we have we're constantly looking for new. If anybody in, in the Richmond area, if you're a trainer, you're a fitness instructor, whatever you want to do that that align with our mindset, which you get back to that, get the body back to that natural state again. You are free anytime. Cause you are free to use this space. Wow, that's that's awesome. So if take me, I guess through. A customer journey in the sense of you mentioned in the beginning how you want them to slowly reduce the amount of um, I guess shoe they're wearing mm -hmm. essentially is the goal to have them completely barefoot or is the goal just it depends on the person what's right for them but like is that the progression you would want is to them get to that barefoot space Barefoot is probably not going to happen because yeah. where who we where we are in society. What we do is we have two products. We have our first product is the sock light footwear, which I'm wearing right now. Um, based on the custom feedback, we are actually launching uh, a second product. We call the Ultra Lucy Ultra Minimalist Shoe. So it's a shoe format that people can wear it. Ultimately, the goal is to replace their current uh, um, shoe with this shoe because it's to retain the the core idea of flat minimalist. So it was allow the foot to function naturally. Um, but my, my goal, my hope that any time that, that, that you can get out of the shoe, this, when you, you put out product, or even go barefoot. Barefoot is better. That's an ideal, but unfortunately, you know, it's not going to, it's very small group of people can do that. But for the, for the most of our customer, any time that you can take out the shoe, put out product, it, again, the product is very simple. Simple, but very effective. Because it gets you to the closest to being barefoot without being barefoot. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, I think, at least in my perspective, uh, as a CrossFitter, you know, plyo boxes and weights dropping and things like that, um, my, I guess my biggest concern of wearing a product like that is stubbing your toe or hitting the nail or, like, mm -hmm. kind of any of that sensitive area where, like, probably the rest of the foot is fine to be barefoot in those yeah. environments. But the one thing, you know, that will stop you in your tracks is like breaking a toe or something. Is there, do you have a product that also protects like specifically the toes or for those who are doing like plyometrics and maybe a little bit more rough type stuff? No, we don't. So what, what we're saying that at the end of the day, not try not to drop anything. 
Right. Because I say, if you wear a normal tradition, uh, an athletic shoe, you drop a weight 10, 15 pounds, it will hurt as much as this. Sure. It's not going to protect unless you wear a toe shoe, which is, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of it is, you know, I talk a little about, uh, you have to understand the biomechanics. Because most of us, we were told that we need shoe. But you go back 50 years ago, 50 years prior to 1969, 1970, most athletes athlete wear something very flat. No, no arch support, very flat. Well, think ground. of like ballet shoes. Yeah. Right? They don't have... They're essentially socks. Socks, exactly. Yeah. So, so really, I think the, the best way to do, you know, I know there's certain exercise you require protection, but I think let's focus on use the feet, understanding where you're landing. Where you should where you should engage your art to absorb that all that force. So, so maybe that, a little bit more optimized and effective. Exactly yeah. at the foot because it's not about the product, and and we always driving back. It's never about the product. The product, yes, you need the product because you need some protection, but the product is secondary. We focus on what can we do to let people understand how to use the feet properly. That's why the training video that we're trying to do, that will break down more the sign behind that. Because when you understand that, like for me, I compete the first time uh, Spartan Ray two weeks ago wearing our product, the Nomad. You know, people say, well, I'm sliding my, my product. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not so much sliding because you are landing improperly. That's why you have rolling situation. But you, you focus on landing on your midfoot and control it. And use your feet, you shouldn't. I didn't have any problem. So this weekend we have a second one of our customers will be competing use and and that's in his Spartan race wearing our products. Because I he called me and I said, I, I want to do the longest time, but I'm worried. And I call him say and say, okay, this is what you do. What you want to do, we want to go a size smaller. So it's nice snug fit. Because when I, I that's what I did. And then focus on your landing. Focus on controlling because you are at this point, you in control of your feet. In the shoe, you just roll, roll back and forth. You lose that. But now you are closer to being barefoot. So control that. When you can do that and use the feet the way they were designed, you shouldn't have any problem. You're almost training them to be not only better movers and not to sleep, uh, slip, but you're training them to be hopefully to get an athletic advantage in a way that exactly. if they can jump and land you know, in this minimalist shoe, imagine what they could do in a normal shoe or even continuing versus someone else who never had to train that kind of um, fine line of balance, right? You are correct. You are correct. And you see more and more pro athlete now start to train barefoot because that is where you can really optimize, use your full body potential. Because this body took millions of years of evolution to be who we are today. It didn't happen. Shoe maybe been around for 50, couple hundred years, but we are we are creatures designed to move around barefoot. That's awesome. Um, so uh, I guess where could people find you if they wanted to learn more or wanted to come in and talk to you? Yeah, so so we, you can visit our website kennis.com. We also on very active on Instagram uh, at uh, Kennis Barefoot. Um, or you can come to the store. We love for our customers to come to the store because that way we can really talk to you, not just about the product, we talk to you the sign behind it because that's what, what our passion about, explain how things are supposed to work. Sure. And then when we do that and, and then we look at the product and then we try to understand what are you doing, uh, you know, what's the thing that, 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 pro, uh, that um, hinder you, your body to move naturally. And, and then we'll talk about how can we help you because we'll teach you, we want to share with you the thing that we have learned 
um, or the last couple of years. And we continue to do that. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to share or tell anybody? Yeah, I, I, I just say, you guys, you know, I, I would love for you guys to come out and meet us in store. Participate in the class. The class is a great way to learn about barefoot training. When 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 people hear, hear think about, you know, somebody say barefoot, barefoot running is not about running. It's, it's about letting, teaching the body to readapt again. Our feet adapt through tough terrain, millions of years, so you can retrain them again, regain your mobility. Awesome. Move naturally. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. It was a pleasure. RVA Affiliate Collective Podcast. This is Joe Ellis. Be sure to follow us on iTunes and give us a subscribe. Also check us out on YouTube under the same name, RVA Affiliate Collective. And don't forget our shop, rvaaffiliatecollective.org. Thank you. Have a good one.